Welcome to Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Our topic today is living with a terminal diagnosis. Our guest is a husband, father, grandfather, friend, retired business owner, and an inspiration to all who cross his path. I'm talking this evening to Ed, who is living with a terminal cancer diagnosis. Welcome, Ed. Well, thank you, Lori. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Ed, would you mind telling us about your diagnosis? Well, it was uh, about a year ago. uh, I started having some serious pains in my shoulder, and uh, COVID was just kind of growing strong, and uh, so it was hard to get into the doctor, but they asked me to go to a physical therapist. It didn't work. Time went by. Pain started uh, in the back. That physical therapy didn't work. Then I had some groin pain, some hip pain. And I finally, in about May, with, without any, getting any benefits, I asked my doctor to run some tests. And uh, about a week later, uh, I got an email from him. And I'll just read you the few words. Uh, PSA sky high, uh, suspicion of prostate cancer. That's kind of the, an odd way to find out that you've got cancer kind of hit me because I wasn't even thinking of cancer. I just was thinking that I needed some other help. So that's how I found out about it. And uh, uh, I then was very fortunate in uh, being contacted by a great oncology department, radiation department, and they really, and pharmaceutical oncology, and they've been wonderful. Uh, So that we, the objective was, let's try to slow it down. We can't stop it. It's stage four, it's gone into the bones. PSA was 171, 100 times higher than 10 years before when they had last checked it. And uh, uh, so the the idea was to make me more comfortable. And and they told me that if we hadn't diagnosed it, then I'd had just a few months. As it turns out, I've already had about eight months, which is fantastic. And uh, I see no reason uh, that that we can't have some more good months together. So uh, um, I'm, I'm very happy that we caught it. Well, Ed, what have you done to, or continue to do to come to terms with this terminal diagnosis? Well, what, I, what I've done is, the, the, the first thing that I did is, in, instead of thinking, why me? Uh, I started thinking of how blessed I am to find out so that I really, really work with the, uh, my children, my grandchildren, my wife, my friends, uh, so that we could make this transition without, without any of them going through a heavy grief process that uh, having been a grief minister in the last, for the last 20 years, I, I've seen too much of, uh, of, of grief that could have been spared if there, were, if there was an openness between the patient and the and, and the family, and if the patient just would accept what's inevitable uh, and try to make the best of whatever's left. So it sounds like you reached out to uh, each family member, friends, perhaps friends you haven't seen for a long time. How, well, how did those conversations go? They went very well. They actually went better, Lori, than I anticipated. I wanted to meet with every one of the grandchildren because. I have five grandchildren that I love very dearly and and feel very close to, and I wanted them to know that 
we've really had the experience that a grandfather and a grandchild should have. When I'm not here, uh, they should not be looking back in a negative way. And, and uh, they should be coming to see me or I come to see them with the idea that we're going to talk about all the things we always talked about. And one of them, we're not going to hide death. We're, we, we're not going to pretend there's an elephant in the room. But we're gonna we're we're not gonna let it be the topic of of the conversation. Uh, definitely not. Uh, uh, the last thing I want is sympathy. I feel that I'm so lucky that I've had I have the time right now, and I've had the time to really uh, close in it. I even had one of my grandchildren over last night. And we had a fantastic time together for two hours, and uh, time just passed, and we really didn't talk about cancer. Well, it seems very courageous to, to do that. And how have your friends taken it? I, I, my friends have been wonderful. They, they, they all, of course, uh, say anything I can do for you, I will. And I, and I truly believe they mean it. But uh, I've got my, my children who have been extremely supportive in every way. And I have an incredible wife and uh, uh, and and I, I'm able to get around. I, my objective is got to, I've got a car I call the beast and uh, the beast and I have to go out every day. Even if we put a envelope in the mail that has nothing in it to send back to me, just so that I've been somewhere. It doesn't matter lunch or anything. As long as the beast and I get out every day, we feel that uh, I'm, I have mobility. That sounds wonderful. What are some of the practical things you've done uh, since your diagnosis? Uh, give me, give me an example. Of, well, so uh, like uh, cleaning out your office. Oh, um, uh, that's a that's a good one, Lori. And I hope maybe this will benefit a lot of people. I literally spent uh, at least the first three, maybe four weeks after my diagnosis of going through everything in my office and shredding most of it because it's of no value. But if I had if I had died before that, somebody would have had to go through every page and, and, you know, is there something important here? And then I took all the things that are important and they're all labeled and they're all, there's a master copy and everything that you need to know where, what kind of insurance do we have? Where is it? What's our financial situation? And where is all that information? Do we have a safety deposit box? Where's the key? What's in it? Uh, what about our taxes? Are we up to date or do we owe money or you know, who do we even go to and all the things that that uh, just on and on and on. Uh, and I've had I have several file drawers and just things that we have warranties on. And uh, I mean, there it was amazing to me how much I threw away that I that just that they were just clutter. But somebody would have to have gone through all of it. And what's saved, I think right now for my family, uh, when when it's time it will be very easy for them to uh, just see a drawer, know what's in it, open it up, be able to be able to move forward without anxiety. So well, I'm very good for that. It sounds like an overwhelming task to take after getting, um, you know, such uh, challenging news. But, but so why was that so important to you to devote so much time? Because again, I'll go back for a minute to my grief work. Um, as you pros probably are well aware, um, 
men die usually a little younger than their wives. And so we dealt with a lot more widows than widowers. And uh, it, it was just overwhelming for them that I have no idea where do we own this car or if we don't, who do we owe or what bills do we owe? Uh, just so many things that all of a sudden they were hit with if there was a death that was unexpected. And I've been very fortunate, Lori. Uh, I've not only have an unbelievable family and, and local current friends, I really, uh, from, from uh, grammar school, high school to college, I've, I've had friends that stayed, we stayed together the whole time and, and that they have died at a young age and uh, unexpected. And it's just, there's no way of knowing it. Death is not something that's you're determining by age or really even health necessarily. I did not want to leave uh, my family in a situation where they just wouldn't even know what, where to turn first. Well, Ed, you shared that it become really important to you once you got your diagnosis um, that, that you've always been of service, but you wanted to do more to be more of more of service. So what did you, what actions did you take to accomplish this? Well, I first had to realize that some of the things that I've been doing for years take a physical presence. I have to stand for a long time um, and I can't do that anymore. I can get around, no problem, but I can't stand in one spot for more than a few minutes without my legs kind of numbing up a little bit. And that's been going on long before the cancer. And there were other things that required more physical actions on my part. So my objective is the more, when I heard I had cancer, the more that I can do for other people, the happier that day is going to be for me. And I, I, I want every day, I want something kind of fun every day or something that I accomplished every day. As long as I'm here, I might as well do something. I'm not going to, I don't want to just sit and, uh, and, and disintegrate. So uh, I was able to, I went to the city of Pleasanton because I heard they had a fantastic volunteer program and apparently they do, but because of COVID they had shut it down. So that was out. And I tried some other groups for volunteering that because of COVID again, it didn't work. So um, I did uh, find a, a niche and uh, uh, would you like me to tell you about that niche? Or? Yes, please do. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to keep uh, religion out of it from the standpoint of I'm not selling religion and I'm not selling any particular religion. I, I happen to have a religion and, uh, and love it, but I'm not, I'm not pushing religion. But I found a niche where uh, even our, our pastor, the, the bishops, uh, they didn't realize that there, they had something that was gold that they were sitting on that they could share. And uh, I found it and I started sharing it and getting great results with it. And uh, my last meeting was with 150 uh, sophomore and freshman high school kids that just, uh, I get so excited, I forget that I even have any kind of a problem. And my excitement seemed to transmit to them and then their excitement back to me. And I tell you, it's a, uh, it's such a wonderful feeling. So I'm, uh, I had a meeting uh, with another with a church uh, a week ago, and uh, I'm gonna, as long as I can, I can sit and and hold a good meeting, and uh, as long as I can do something that I feel uh, I'm leaving behind 
uh, something worthwhile, um, then every day that I have uh, is a good day, Lori. And so how has that unfolded? It sounds like uh you've worked with your church and now there's other churches that are requesting your support it it, it appears that i will be getting some other gigs <laughs> 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 because it uh, it it just has to do with it with a part that uh, the church feels everybody should know and if they really understood it, it they would get so much more out of their religion but they don't know it because nobody shares it with them so it's nothing that I developed. Uh, it's just something that I uncovered. But it certainly sounds like you have a passion around it. I have a passion that uh, nothing makes me happier than to hold a meeting and see other people get really excited about, uh, about a subject matter that's near and dear to my heart, and I don't have to stand up for it. Well, you're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. And my guest is a husband, father, grandfather, friend, retired business owner, and an inspiration to all who cross his path. I'm talking this evening to Ed, who is living with a terminal cancer diagnosis. Well, Ed, what do you want your family and friends to know about their relationship with you um, in terms of, I know you'd shared something about with me earlier that you want them to feel complete every time they see you. So they don't feel guilty that they haven't seen you enough or the last time they see you. Can you speak to that a little bit? I would love to. Uh, in, in, in grief, guilt is, uh, is a big word. And, uh, and it's really, really detrimental that uh, people unnecessarily sometimes feel guilt. I don't want anybody ever to feel that, uh, our relationship, they wish that before something happened to me, they had done something different so that we would have had a stronger or a or closer relationship. We already have it. It exists. It isn't going away. And whether they make contact on a regular basis, I make contact out. I reach out to, to them to see how they're doing and to, and to wish them well. Uh, because I don't, I, I know that inside they're saying, "Gee, I, you know, I probably should give Ed a call." But what? How do what I? What do I say? Do I say to him, uh, "You know, how's the cancer going?" Uh, you know, no, that's not going to work too well. And how are you feeling? You know, you know, they're probably not feeling well. There's no probably this or probably that. I'm, I'm doing just fine. And I so every time that we communicate, I want it to be as if there were. The illness didn't exist, not, not hiding it. I, I want them to know. I, I, there's a time stamp probably on me. There's always a miracle. There's always a possibility that there'll be a new drug. But I'm not looking for that. I, I, I want, I'm, not, I'm not spending my life looking for this new miracle. I want to spend it just really enjoying every day. And I want everyone that I know care about or people that care about me to absolutely feel there is no reason that I should ever feel guilty about our relationship. We've, if we ever had, if we ever had a problem, we've mended it. I've, I've, I've tried. I think I'm at a point where there were some situations that maybe I wasn't too happy with somebody. I've already tried to mend that and uh, wherever that existed. So I, I don't like the word guilt and I don't like it associated with death. 
So I really tried to encourage everybody to uh, let's just if, you, if we got anything to talk about, let's let's talk about it and let's uh, let's let's switch over to something that we don't have a lot of time for usually, and that's love. And let's let's take the word guilt out of let's just rip it out of the dictionary. We don't need it. Well, that, that again sounds very inspirational. Um, now, in terms of planning your service, um, I know you've talked about what you want when people remember you. Uh, what's gone into to those kinds of plans? Well, I actually have had kind of fun planning it. I know that probably, <laughs> probably not going to go over too well with your audience, but uh, uh, I, I, there are certain things that, that uh, uh, for, for instance, uh, um, Frank Sinatra does a fantastic job. Uh, I did it my way. I truly believe that uh, that I did it my way, and I'm proud of it, and I love that song. I want that one playing at least in the memorial, not maybe in the church. But uh, I've also I've picked out uh, some beautiful uh, songs in the church. Uh, I picked out uh, a dear friend who's a pastor of uh, one of one of the not with of my church, but of of our, our my religion, but not my church. And then I'd like, I'd like our pastor, if he would, to, to preside also. Um, I want a party afterwards. Uh, I there there is there will be plenty of time later for other thought, but but uh, when when the funeral is over, I really want a party. And uh, I know a very very dear friend of mine died many years ago, and uh, and. At, after his funeral, we we really talked about fun stories and and uh, things that we loved about him and things that we got that we laughed with him. Uh, that's that's what I'm planning, and so I've I've kind of laid out. I I of course purchased our uh, burial spot, and uh, so that uh, Lori, there's actually a bench near it, so that somebody could come with a bottle of wine and a sandwich and hang out for a while if they want. Uh, I know my dear friend, I, uh, several years ago, I went to his gravesite with a, a shot of brandy and uh, just exchanged pleasantries with him and had a little shot of brandy before I returned home. So I have put a lot of thought in it. There shouldn't be a lot left for, for the family to worry about what, what I would have wanted or, or not. So if that's an explanation uh, for you, that's kind of where I'm at with the planning the service. Well, it, it just seems like you have covered so much while dealing with this news um, and you've come to a place of peace and acceptance. Um, what's your secret? Oh boy. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think I, I have a secret, Lori. I think, uh, uh, I, I think it really boils down to acceptance uh, that from, from, not the first day, the first, when I heard about my cancer situation and, and when it was verified, not, not that I might have it, but that I did have it and it was in the bones, I'll have to admit to you that I probably had four or five really bad nights uh, when I went to bed because I always would go to bed thinking positive about the future. Um, even sometimes maybe winning the lottery and how I would divide it up. Uh, but 
uh, I had some pretty bad nights the first few nights, and then that just didn't work for me. Um, so I, I really was able to put myself into total acceptance. This is this is the hand I've been dealt, and it's not a bad hand. I'm 86 years old. Uh, I've had a great life. Um, so and I and I now have have an opportunity to really share things. Uh, I even did uh, a tape uh, for my kids that they, they haven't got yet, but it's it's ready for them. Uh, several few hours about my in, my entire life, starting from uh, uh, one that I can remember when I was sick for a year in uh, at six years old, and all the way through, and and, and the fun and the things that I've done and enjoyed. So I think maybe the word would be total acceptance, Lori, would be my secret. Well, how has your diagnosis shifted what is important to you in your life? It shifted uh, about a month ago. Everything was going very well. Uh, we, we had slowed the growth down. So that when, and again, bless the doctors, there's no way they can give you it, and I, nor do I expect it, but I also wanted them to be honest with me. What, how long have I got in their opinion? It's only their opinion. And it looked like um, uh, probably uh, this, uh, a few months ago that uh, I could have six months to a year, maybe maybe even a little, little longer. And then the major drug that I was using uh, stopped working effectively. So uh, they ran a lot of tests, bone scan, CAT scans, uh, and so forth, and, and additional blood tests. And uh, the results of that I haven't got yet. I did. Uh, radiation last Friday and I did a lot of blood tests last Friday and so I hope within the next week or two they put me on a new medication now there aren't very many out there that are capable of they can't stop it but that are capable of of slowing it down when it's when it's moved into many areas of the body but uh for what this one cost it <laughs> it either better work or they've got to tell the drug company you're not being very fair. Um, but so that's that's changed things a little bit. And I hope to know soon uh, if we're back to slowing it down. If if we are, that's great. Uh, I've only uh, I've only got one commitment, and that is June 21st of this year will be my 64th wedding anniversary at a place in Carmel. And so I've have kind of made that commitment, and I've tried during my life to keep my commitments. Um, so I'm I really uh, I've really got my hat set for that. But uh, if it's to be, it's to be, and uh, if and if it isn't, um, I'm 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 ready tomorrow if that's if that's where it goes. And I know that that you do have something that that you want to that you've written that you want to share. But before we get to that, I was just wondering, you, you do seem to, to um, be able to take this diagnosis and really uh, share with others and, and inspire others. Um, what, what could you say to someone who is new to getting a terminal diagnosis? Um, are, are there words of wisdom that some, maybe somebody listening to this um, has just gotten that kind of news that, could help somebody perhaps? Well, I don't know about words of wisdom. In a second, then I will read you something that I wrote. But before that, 
um, I, I would say for them to to uh, to evaluate to just evaluate that what blessings they've already had up to this point and what kind of a life that that they've had and and go with with the positive that it's been a good life and they and and uh, if there's anything that they're concerned about talk to the person whether it be a their children uh if, if it be their grandchildren if there be their wife if there's anything that they feel that uh, is just is isn't right for them to leave at this point to correct that and and then for their own good not not for the good of everyone else for their good try to be positive of what's left at this point because if there's negative it's only going to go downhill fast. And I don't mean downhill that they'll die sooner, but I mean, before they just don't care to leave the house or, or do anything to think, to think positive. And what is it to accentuate the negative, the, the, you know, what is it that, you know, that when I, I there, there's that song. Um, I, and I can't think of it right now. Positive and negative, but, but I, I'd say to be, to be as positive as they could be. But I, I, uh, I did about oh, a week ago, I was sitting there and I thought, you know, I am so blessed. Why, what would I like to, to kind of say? And so if you want, I'd like to read that to you. I would like to hear that. So I wrote, um, I'm writing this to myself. I like to write to myself. <laughs> uh, as a possible reason, I am feeling blessed that I have time to really live, love, and prepare myself for an early death from terminal cancer. Love probably is one of the most important parts of our lives, but whether it is God, spouse, children, grandchildren, friends, sunsets, nature, pets, and more, we have obstacles in our life that make it a hundred percent that make a hundred percent love for all of them all the time next to impossible. I choose to ignore the problems or what I thought were problems and look at what a great and wonderful family and friends I have and will in the future reconnect with. I grew up with a list I made early in life of what I wanted out of life, and with the help of God, I feel I was gifted more and more and more. I have a church projects I'm working on until my time comes that is so exciting. I look forward every day to what direction it will take me. I'm grateful to be able to prepare my loved ones so that when my time comes, they can look back on the mutual gains we have had loving each other and not think of my death as a loss. I want to repeat that. I'm grateful to be able to prepare my loved ones so that when my time comes, they can look back on the mutual gains we have had loving each other and not think of my death as a loss. When the time comes, laugh at me, laugh with me, love me as I will still be loving you, Eddie B. Well, that is absolutely beautiful. And We've been talking to Ed, husband, father, grandfather, friend, retired business owner, an inspiration to all who cross his path, and my father, Ed Burkhart, who's living with a terminal cancer diagnosis. 
Any final words, Dad? I love you, dear daughter. <laughs> and I love you too. And I appreciate your courage and your inspiration in, in talking openly about your terminal diagnosis. And truly in talking about death, there is freedom. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. You've, we've been uh, talking on embracing the journey. You can tune in on the fourth Tuesday of each month at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank our engineer, Jeff Wright, and also Jeff Wright for our theme music. 